The Soundwave Chronicles podcast, brought to you by FD Productions, engages in conversations with pioneering musicians, producers, and experts from the music industry. We get the inside scoop on what it takes to make it in the music industry today by delving into the sources of their inspiration, their creative process, and much more as we explore a wide range of their experiences. I am your host, Afterlog, and I want to welcome you today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I've got a very special guest today by the name of Cipri, an Italian-American songwriter. He's a recording artist and producer. Cipri's compositions combine elements of electronic, alternative pop, trip-hop, and atmospheric orchestral ambiance, which display his image through deep, dark vibrato and operatic vocals and rich falsettos. He's a very talented individual. He's connected with some pretty heavy hitters in the music industry, signed to Bentley Records. He has produced music for Gucci Mane, Future, and other major names connected with Britney Spears and other household names. I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Chipri. Chipri, welcome to the show. Thank you Thank so much you. for, uh, I know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for spending time to chat with us today. Not a problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So how did you get into music? And how young were you? That's a great question. I was fairly young. I was probably, well, my first mark, I guess, in the actual music industry was when I signed with BMI, Broadcast Music Inc. Um, for the people that don't know that are listening, it's a songwriting, basically for, for songwriters is what it was initially meant for, you know, and they collect your royalties and whatnot. So back in the day, I want to say it was maybe 2010, 2011. There was this huge promo by BMI at the time. They had Usher, they had Lady Gaga, they had Prince, they had all these really famous names that were um, promoting BMI. So I thought to myself at the time, I thought, you know, I can sing and I love music. Why not start off in the industry as a songwriter? So I signed with BMI. Obviously, my songs didn't get anywhere at the time because I wasn't signed to a record label yet. That was probably my big start was with BMI. I always tell other artists, if you're looking to start in the industry, start with BMI. Start with the basic concept of songwriting and, and getting your songs out there. Is that BMI as in BMI and ASCAP? Yes, correct. So they're basically helping you to collect the royalties and from radio play and so on and so forth. That way you can earn off of your music. Correct. And then so then you moved from BMI to to Bentley. So I signed with BMI, like I said, I think it was 2011, 2012, maybe. And at that point, I was just releasing music on my own. At the time, I had used TuneCore. I had used DistroKid. I had used a lot of these digital distributors, right? Exactly, exactly. Where, you know, basically anybody can go and get a song on Spotify or get a song on Apple Music or get a song on whatever platform you want. So mm -hmm. at the time, I want to say probably around 2015, I released my first single, which was a mess. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound what do you mean very by that in terms of, of uh, publicity or in terms of just the single, the quality in, of the song. The, the quality of the song, I think, because I was so frustrated trying to get the right sound mm -hmm. that I went through like 30 different demos, 30 different producers, 30 different revisions of the same song. And I finally I, at that point, I was like, you know, forget it. I'll just choose one of the 30 demos that I have. And so I released it. And then I continued releasing 
And for some reason or another, it was through Instagram. I was constantly posting videos of me singing and of my music as well. At the end of 2019, I think, it was right, right before the pandemic hit, Bentley Records found me on Instagram. And at first, I'm not going to lie, at first I was like, is this real? Like, why would they, you know, you get spam messages from people all the time on Instagram. Yeah. And I got an email with my CEO. He was introducing himself and the A&R and all of that. And the first thing I wrote back was, I've been scammed before. Is this real? Because there are a lot of scams in the industry with artist development deals and, and artists, this artist, that, where they just take your money, to be honest with you. They don't really... 360 deals? Um, I, I know what 360 deals are. Yeah, I, I was never offered one, though. But there are, I don't want to say predators because it's not the right word, but there are a lot of negative influential people in the industry as well that just want your money. So Pay deals. Exactly. Exactly. So my, I, I just remember my first initial response was like, this can't be real. And then, you know, I, I emailed them back and we started talking back and forth more and more. And I was like, okay, they're, they're actually legit. Maybe I should get the ball rolling and sign with them. So that was 2019. And since then, um, I released, I was on an album with Gucci Mane. Um, mm -hmm. I was on an album with Future. I was on and Bow Wow and like there, there's a bunch of different names on that album. Um, and let me think. And a few other singles, a few other collabs I've done um, mm -hmm. since that time. And I've also released my own singles through Bentley as well. And they had, I wouldn't say significant success, but um, success that I feel is appropriate for where I'm at. Well, that's a, that's a good frame of mind to be in. A lot of people just feel like, okay, this, you know, while the sky should never be the limit, it's like, it's hard to achieve contentment or happiness if, mm -hmm. if the sky is always up there and you just can't reach it. And, um, so that's impressive to hear that you're kind of in a state of like, you're, you're cool with, with, uh, the, the state of achievement that, that you're at. Um, remind, so just, just to go back to prior to 2019. So you had released how many, how many singles? um and on what like just on all platforms what were yeah, you doing it was, it was through distro kid at the time i want to say it was through distro kid um yeah. and i released i want to say maybe three singles maybe four mm -hmm. um at that i i honestly don't remember it was so long mm -hmm. ago um i know i did the lonely queen i did purple beaches and i think i did one one or two other ones that i had released at that time um but I have taken the, the other ones down since then. Um, a reason Why, they, being, they had requested that the, your label yeah. required. Them? Did your label require that you take them down or you just didn't, you weren't happy with? No, them? I just I to be honest with you, I'm very self-critical of my own work. I, I mean, I think that's kind of obvious as demonstrated with the 30, you know, different revision, different revisions. <laughs> um, of, so of was, those of those singles. Yeah, correct. So, so is this that you were releasing it and then you take it down and re-release it? I would release it and then I would like maybe two or three weeks later, I would change my mind and I'd be like, no, I actually like this version better. And then, so, and then what we do, you would release a duplicate or you just kind of take down the old one and I would take down the old one and then put the new one up. So like 30 of the same song in different versions you would release? Different takes, different effects, different. Yeah, it That's was fascinating. Nuts. I've never <laughs> I've never known an artist to like to publish and then remove that song and then republish and then remove. Yeah. But that's 
<laughs> testament to uh, I guess how how much how much uh, love you have for your music. It, that's true. It's true. I mean, I do love music, and um, it's just it's it's always been a part of me. So mm-hmm. I'm I feel honored that I'm able to do what I want to do. Uh huh. Very cool. So you were just, you know, you release these three singles. Twenty nineteen comes around. You get signed. You're like, what the hell? And then, and then you you pretty much launch into into like superstar territory. And uh, and so now, what's uh, what projects are you are you in the middle of uh, at the moment? Oh boy! Um, right now, I have an album that I'm working on. Um, that's been my goal now. Well, actually, that's been my goal since I was signed. So if my CEO is watching this, shout out to Luca Days. <laughs> my my album is in the works. Um, but I right now I have seven songs. I'm trying to make it to ten. Um, so I my plan is anyway to release it sometime within the next year. Very I think cool. Be cool to have. And are your fans able to listen to those seven songs? Uh, now that they're sort of like hovering and not actually published until you have 10 as an album or like, are, are they released as singles and then you make them an album or no. are they I'm, somewhere I'm hiding kidding. on your website that you incentivize <laughs> fans to come in now? No, they're all in the vaults right now. They're all locked down. So, so that's mm-hmm, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're all locked down right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I look I look forward to surprising people with the album. I guess you could say that. It'll be a pleasant surprise. So you're building momentum over the year. Correct. That's interesting because a lot of a lot of times the I guess the generic advice is maybe maybe it doesn't make sense to follow generic advice because everybody's doing it. Um is to release singles every every month or so or every so often um to keep fans engaged and then compile into an album. But it's interesting because I remember learning about Dua Lipa, uh, learning from her, I guess the person who signed her uh, to Universal or whatever it was. And he said uh, she was working on an album for the full year and and they required her, I guess, by contract to take nothing or they recommended that she she take no opportunities for that whole year. So sort of building up momentum and then sort of launch into this full fledged uh, album release. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the same thing and in essence i mean like i said i have released singles through bentley already um but they're just they're just singles they're not going to be on the album so so you have no interest or pre- or self-pressure to keep the momentum up throughout the year like you're just sort of hanging out working quietly in a studio and then looking to surprise people after a bunch of months Yes, but no. Yes, but no. Um, I would say, I mean, I do do a lot of collabs. I have another collab coming out in, I want to say a month, less than a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do do like, you know, features on other people's songs. That's what I, that's how I continue to build my my momentum, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't, I, I'm not consistent with singles. I guess you could say that. Okay. So you still do engage fans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still kind of like, would you say it's your full-time job or are you doing something else on the side? I would say it's my full-time job. Okay. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of time to go through all the Instagram messages and comments and, and all of that. Yeah. I would say it's a full-time job. 
So would you say that, what would you say the, the majority of your efforts are put towards as an artist at this point in your life, like prior to, you know, the albums a few months down the road, what are you spending all your time doing or most of your time doing? Most of my time, um, trying to get my sound right still. <laughs> so um, you're spending, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. So you're spending most of your time in the studio. Correct. And then you're like not... social media is my second job, basically my second life. <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, dealing with DMs and then fans and comments and that that type uh, that type of stuff. Correct. Are you are you working on monetizing uh, those fans um, now, or are you just hoping that like, you know, you keep them engaged now and then they'll buy the album? Is that the main mission? Are you, are you selling merch? What are you doing to kind of work that out? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um. I mean, I engage with them daily. I would say that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't have merch right now, <laughs> so that's that's definitely not applicable to me. But um, I do think I think it's important to engage with your fans because I think there is a how do I say this properly? There's a boundary between an artist and a fan, and I feel like it's been it's been very much so intermingled and twine and intertwined within the past i don't know since the pandemic probably i mean like you know you see people throwing bottles at cardi b or you see people you know on stage and and they're, they're big artists you know and you see people having zero respect and zero zero lack of boundaries i guess you could say um you know they did it to bieber that they, they did it to maluma they've done it to so many people the past since the pandemic essentially and um I just I find it very odd. So for me, I I kind of I engage with my fans. I think it's important to engage with them. Um, but I also feel like sometimes I need I personally need to take a step back and say, okay, well, is this appropriate? Is this normal? Is this a topic of discussion that I should be having with a fan, or should I be having this with a producer? Or you know, things like that. So this is interesting. Um because well, you don't know this about me, but I, I am I mean, I'm obviously coming from somebody who's entrenched in the music industry. Mm. Um, I'm a performer. I also deal with with fans, that type of stuff. Um, and I, I've found that um, there have been like a number of uh, inappropriate fan interactions. That's <laughs> this is what I got a P.O. box. And I guess the question is, I'm assuming you have one or do you? I do. I have multiple. <laughs> yes. Multiple. Oh, so you I like do. kind of categorize them by like psycho fan or really <laughs> awesome fan, funding fan. Like what? How do you separate the, the P.O. boxes? Um, I mean, honestly, I the separating the P.O. boxes, one is just for fans. One is just for the uh, business. But okay. yeah, <laughs> but but I do have multiple. <laughs> I guess you'll need another one once you have the merch store up and running. Probably. So, um, but I guess the whole other bag of worms, that's something, um, well, you could DIY anything these days, but you're, you're, you're dealing with a record label. So I'm assuming they give you limit limitations or at least they provide support for whatever initiatives you're, you're looking to kind of launch, um, in your music career. Absolutely. So case, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and on that note too, I would say, you know, um bentley records itself i mean they are an independent label but i will say they are everything that i've ever dreamed of in a label mm -hmm. uh, 
I have, I, I literally have zero complaints and that's very rare <laughs> coming from me. I complain about everything. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> wow. So they, they're just, they, they are phenomenal. Everything they do from, from the A&Rs to the producers, to the, to the CEO himself, to all of them, they work cohesively. They always want what's best for their artist. I think that's important. Um, and they allow their artists to retain their masters, which I also think is an important, an important aspect when, you know, you see, you see artists like Taylor Swift, you see artists like a lot of people who have been screwed over with um, people oh. buying masters and then having to re-record them or whatever the case may be. Okay. So you're talking about um, Justin Bieber's manager who signed him. What What's his name? Um, uh, or uh, uh, Not Scott. What's his name? Um, I, I, Bronner, both... Bronner, his last name Bron. is Bro Bro Scooter, Scooter Bron. Bron. That's it. <laughs> Everybody knows him. Like, um, <laughs> it's funny because he, you know, the guy doesn't seem to age. You, you look at videos of him like 20, 30 years ago when he was just getting Bieber involved and he looks about the same. <laughs> I don't know what he does. Like, some, but, um, and also, like, I thought he was a kid when he was signing him. Maybe he was, but uh, he obviously knew. He obviously knew the game to hmm. kind of launch this whole machine himself, but I guess he got himself into some trouble with Taylor Swift, pissing her off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I figured if he bought the Masters from her, he would have wanted to kind of keep a good relationship. But as I understand it, she kind of dislikes, maybe it's just the, the vibe, the personality, maybe he's just, um, I thought it was something related to being a male chauvinist of some sort. I don't know. I don't know if you know. It could be. I, I honestly don't know either. Yeah. Um, it's I know. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It's very interesting to watch. I, I also, just as a side note, I noticed um, this is, I think, last week or the week before. Um, who was it? It was Ariana Grande, um, Demi Lovato, and was it Bieber? It might have been Bieber or somebody else who they, they've all disassociated themselves with Scooter. Scooter? Yeah. Really? And very recent, very recent in the news. Yeah. So I don't know. Something is going on. With that. Yeah. Because he's one of the heavy hitters. He is one of the, the most powerful people in the music industry. So I'm wondering. I well, look, they're in a they're in that position. They made their hundreds of millions. Um they're all household names. So they're that yeah. Um I'm curious, not that I should be wasting my time. <laughs> finding out why because i don't think i'd ever be in that situation but it's fascinating um going back to the the point you made about how everybody's going i i don't know uh, how there's been this bizarre dynamic between fans and superstars at least um such as, as bieber and um cardi b um i hadn't seen it i'm, I'm not following the news much with them i'm just sort of focusing on i don't know production stuff but mm -hmm. i i guess i wonder uh how that's all going down and why and is the the world just losing its mind i remember seeing one video of bieber when he was like really naive and young um i'm gonna say maybe 18 19 they okay. put him on this massive stage in front of i, I don't know fifty thousand people and kids are like throwing stuff at him and he's like reprimanding them like he's a teacher on and, and just, he was really embarrassing himself and i'm just wondering why wasn't where was scooter in all this like what did, didn't he prep him for a big stage like that or he did he not care or is he just sort of 
interested in, I don't know, launching his career, making him famous, and then just sort of throwing him on stage, making allowing him to make an ass of himself. Just things that I'm kind of wondering. I, I ponder the same thing. I think about the same thing a lot, and, and I think to myself, you know, now you've got you know three other major household names that are dropping him. So something is up with that. That's just my personal view on it, I guess, anyway. But yeah, I mean, it could be that they're maybe demanding a larger percentage or he's demanding a larger percentage because he wants to make him bigger. I don't know. Um, But do you ever worry about, well, I, I don't know if you're involved so much with the touring aspects um, yet, or is that something? Not yet. It's something that I know Bentley is working on, but I personally haven't toured yet. I know other artists that have, um, but me personally, no. So the bulk of your income is not is not really live performances. It's more like streaming, that type of stuff. Correct. Okay. Um, I know a lot of artists that are sick of, of, I'm not trying to turn you off to touring, but a lot of people complain about it, uh, you know, aside from Michael Jackson, but, uh, I mean, he was a genius in his own right. Yeah. He's a what? He was a genius in his own right. Just, just, I, I mean, personally, he was a huge inspiration for me, so I, I can't say anything negative about him. But um, I think that that man was an absolute genius. Absolutely. Yeah, I think most people would agree with that. Uh, okay. He he changed the industry. But I was just talking about how, you know, in, in uh, one of his later interviews, he pretty much explicitly stated how unhappy he was during the touring process. Because while it's cool to be up on stage, and you don't really think of this from the perspective of, of being a fan, um, he was kind of locked in this in these homes um during the tour because the risks involved in like i don't know people kidnapping him or wanting to i don't know him just getting harmed were so Mm -hmm. high um more than likely that was a reason so just interesting it is very interesting but it's but it's really it's an artist's dream uh to want to do international tours um and it's i'm assuming is it's something that you look forward to definitely definitely i just i feel like I don't feel like I have enough material out yet to actually do a tour. <laughs> so yeah, over time though. So what uh, now are you looking to do maybe one concert here or there? I know, you know, I just did an interview with the amazing guy out, out in, in Europe who just does, he did, well, he does sync for his income uh, for the majority of income. And then he just does some big concerts, um, you know, like once a month or something like that with a big orchestra featuring mm-hmm. his music. Is that something of interest to you? I would say so. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he's I guess he he's his focus is on on having a family. Um, so he's not really looking to like hop on a tour bus and go from city to city and come back tired after three months. But I don't know, it's just something that uh, it's a thought. It's a thought that has crossed my mind. I, I yeah. wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I think though, with everything in the industry, you have to. You have to kind of just take it as it comes and mm-hmm. then you decide if you like it or not. I, I don't feel like you can have a preconceived notion of, you know, oh, well, will touring be bad for me or will it be good for me? I, For me personally, I'd rather wait till I'm in that spot and then decide. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Sounds like the mature decision. Um, back to the 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 crazy fans. Do you have a, a fear of of... I don't know of of fans that are I don't know uh a little too crazed. Um 
Or is that yeah. something that doesn't cross your mind? <laughs> it does cross my mind because there are, I mean, it, it, it's a difficult predicament to be in because, you know, you want to engage with them. You want to talk with them. You want them to listen to your music, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some that become very aggressive, I guess is the right word. Um and they yeah. become super fans, you know, they be like almost obsessed with you a little bit, I would say. Um, super fans are your biggest supporters, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, but there, there have been times in the past where I've been like, okay, I need to keep this person at arm's length uh-huh. um, just because you don't know what to expect. Yeah. I completely, I uh, completely hear you. Um, <laughs> tell me about, um, I don't know your background. You met, you're from Spain and now you're in Florida. Well, no, I was, I was actually, I was born in Florida. Um, my mother is an Italian citizen. So I was born with dual nationality. I was born with American and Italian passports and birth certificates. So when I was, let me think, um, when I was 23, 24, I went to live in Italy for about a year and a half. I taught English there. Um, And then after that, I went to Spain to get my master's degree. Um, I lived in the Basque country for about two years. And that was very, very interesting as well. So can you tell me more about what what was interesting? Is there something like what was interesting about the experience in Spain? Um, Spain specifically, I would say. you know, I did my degree in psycholinguistics, well, linguistics, actually, but the the side branch is psycholinguistics. So how the brain processes language, how the brain understands language and music and language are both connected in the brain. So for me personally, I found that fascinating. So when I went there, I actually didn't know this prior to going there. But when I enrolled at the school, um, I found out that one of my main professors and the classes in Spain are really small. They're like, I had like eight kids in each class, (laughs) whereas, you know, in the U.S., you're in like an auditorium filled with like 80 other people. Um, So it was very one on one. It was very I I learned a lot in Spain um, Mm -hmm. or in the Basque country. Um, But I think what was so interesting to me was they their language is not related to anything else. So Basque is not related to Spanish. It's not related to French. It's it's a language isolate. So there is no connection to any of the surrounding areas. Like nobody knows how they got there or how their language has has evolved and been there since pre-dawn times, you know? It's completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. There is no other language that can be connected to Basque. It doesn't have its roots like in Latin? No, nothing. There, th- It cannot be traced. That is fascinating. Yeah, no, well, it was for me too. It was so. so I, I guess mean, we can only make one one conclusion from that. Mars, yeah, yeah <laughs> outer space, something. I I don't know, but um, yeah. I for me personally, I found it very interesting to see, you know, um, a culture and and a language because you know I was studying how language works and and languages and linguistics, and just to see. And and to go to a place that has survived for thousands of years. I mean, Caesar didn't conquer them. The Roman Empire hmm. didn't conquer them. They were the only part of Europe that wasn't conquered. Um, and there were attempts to conquer them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were 
superior with their technology must must have been their they tech. were superior. i think honestly i mean a lot of people give give credence to the fact that they're in the middle of the mountains like the pyrenees mountains are on like this side of um the basque country so it's hard to cross over it would be hard for any invader or um yeah what's the right word um yeah and more time anything yeah. to even get to them so, so they were like they were in the um so they were at the the base of the mountain is that the, where they were the, their protector or they were at the top of the mountain is that is that how, how they were able to fight off no the, Pyrene- the the pyrenees mountains like literally separates um the basque country from the rest of france and from spain so I don't know how I, I just they, they're huge mountains. That's all I can say. They're bigger than is, anything I've ever seen. Is this where all the wheel wheel of time movies are shot? Because that's what I'm envisioning. These like gorgeous, these gorges and these. Um, it's uh, very. Um, how do I Lord say? Lord of the it? Rings. Yes, but no, it, it is. It, there is like a mystical atmosphere to it. I would mm-hmm. say. Absolutely. Yes. I'm sure a, sure a few movies were shot around there. I'm just. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, my wife and I have been binge watching these uh, fantasy movies, so that's pretty okay. much the backdrop of of any narrative you know, between the Wheel of Time and the. Um, anyway, back to you. <laughs> um, how about the language barrier? Um. Well, yeah, that was interesting. I'll say that much. Um, I mean, I'm fluent in English, Spanish, and Italian um spanish were you when you got when you moved there yes yes prior to that i was already fluent but Mm. um so my classes were in were in spanish and spain um however um i couldn't how do i say this properly Basque is very hard. I, I mean, you walk around the cities and, you know, there are signs and the signs go in Spanish, French, English, and then Basque. Mm-hmm. So there's four languages that you're reading on the subway or on the metro or on whatever. And mm-hmm. I spent two years trying to learn the language. To be honest with you, I, I would say it's harder than Arabic. I couldn't I couldn't get anything. I, I, I nothing retains up here. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know how to say hello. I know how to say good morning. I know how to say please and thank you. But other than that, Basque is very, very hard. So you weren't learning in Basque then? No, I was learning in Spanish. Okay, which you were fluent in. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um, but you specifically went there um because because you were interested in the topics um yeah i was interested in the topics yeah Mm -hmm. and also to um going back to what i was i was about to say before was that um i didn't know prior to going that one of my main professors um she was actually the protege for noam chomsky and i was just thinking yeah, go when ahead. You no, said neurolinguistics. That's the first like I pictured Noam Chomsky giving his lectures. Yeah, I just, I, the name escaped me. This is fascinating. My my right. so my my not my thesis advisor, but the head of my program basically, and she was also my professor. She taught me psycholinguistics. Um, huh. Her she did her dissertation at MIT under Noam, um, and she mm-hmm. still talks to him to this day. So. Really? Yeah, I, I found that to be a really um, 
very interesting um, and a valuable learning experience, learning from her. I learned more from her than I think I learned from anybody else in my entire academic career. Huh. This is, this is, this is fascinating. I'm glad um, <laughs> I'm just like, I, I was talking about your, uh, we're the, the idea here is to talk about your music career, but I, I just, we can veer off topic a little. <laughs> Why do you think as somebody with a neuro linguistic background and, you know, a, a student of his student, um, that he's, he was so politically involved. What do you mean? Like, and in- well, he was, he was more famous for, for his being this outspoken, like Political representative critic, of, right. yeah, critic and of the government. And it's sort of what lent him credibility wasn't his career in neurolinguistics per se, as it was his just his genius and the fact that he was like this MIT professor. Mm-hmm. That's what seemed to be the general consensus. So, what are your thoughts on that, or if you have any? Um, I think it is interesting. I mean, it, it, it is a valid point what you said, you know, he was kind of, um, I wouldn't say thrown into the limelight, but he gains more public. Um, he definitely gains more public, uh, what's the word recognition yeah. Yeah. through both his books and through his opinions, I feel, mm-hmm. uh, and his beliefs. But, um, Personally, I don't do politics. I consider myself apolitical. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't trying to corner you into telling us your political perspective at all. Uh, I was no, just no, curious fine, what fine. your thoughts are on, you know, why somebody like like himself was so involved in like a different kind of career. Like it's not like he was a poli sci professor, you know? Exactly. Uh, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, he's he. I mean, from what I know, basically. Um, he's just, he's a very intelligent man and that's, I mean, the easiest way to sum it up, I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was also interesting about him and then we'll get back to you is, uh, I understand his, his general philosophy was such that language is a function of evolution. Um, meaning it's not just like by accident, you know, a King decided to make up a bunch of words and and told his uh, subjects and everybody else to, to uh, you know, to take on that language. That would have been my assumption. Um, like the more influential people in society, they sort of brand these. They sort of create new language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his is sort of like more along the lines of evolution. What was more natural, like pot padre? I don't know, uh, mother, father, like words that you would expect a child to immediately be able to pronounce. Um, and that sort of evolving into like the language that we have today is that is that part of like what you've learned and what you're yeah absolutely absolutely i would say from my perspective and from what i've i know and from what i've been taught i would say language is innate it's Hmm. built into us as human beings and yet it's so different across the globe correct and i also find it interesting that just as a side note to what you just said i find it very interesting that um you know, most of the world is multilingual. They speak more than one language. And then you look at the United States and we're the complete opposite, you know? That's because we're a bunch of arrogant pricks. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> we so, do police the world. Yeah. 
I, I thank God every day that I have the convenience of, you know, speaking English and everybody else has to tra- has to sort of speak English to me when they're from a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much longer that's going to last as the dollar weakens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and starts to favor the yen and whatever else. Um, but back to your music career. I apologize. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. Is, it, is there something that you have worked on? you know, recently that you're really excited to share, talk about recent collaboration, even the uh, genre. Like, I don't know. We don't, you know, you haven't shared. Do you stick with one genre? Gucci main genre, I don't know, pop, hip hop. It seems I've like done, you cover a bunch, right? I've, yeah, no, that is true. I've done a lot of different genres. Um, my first collab actually was on a reggaeton album, a reggae album. Um, then I did hip hop. Then I did a rap album. Then I released a pop single. Then I released, um, I'm kind of like all over the place, I guess you could say in terms of genres. Yeah, no, that, Mm -hmm. that would be an accurate, an accurate depiction. Absolutely. And so the, the question of the hour is why, why do you choose so many different genres? Is it because of your fans or is it because of you? Is it because you haven't, you're not satisfied with one genre? You feel like, why should you be stuck in one corner? Um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm stuck in one corner, but I don't like to I don't like to mentally put myself in that box either, if that makes sense. Um I rather explore all of it than just stick to one one genre. You're kind of looking to see what takes off or what's more I don't know, what does better. Exactly. Exactly. Better with your voice. And so you don't have a preference then, you know, having released different, you know, songs under different genres. Like a, a preference you, for the genre? Yeah. Do, do you have a pre- Do you prefer pop? Do you prefer, I don't know, hip hop, um, rap? I, I wouldn't say I have a preference. I would say, though, that I am better at pop. That's probably, though, because I was I, I had Britney Spears as a mentor for almost 10 years. So I was exposed to pop from a very early age. Um mm-hmm. And I, I know, I know almost every pop song there is. So, yeah. And I, I am just about dying to ask you a question about how that experience was, but we're going to steer clear. Um, whatever you'd like to share, you are welcome to. Um, I'll just say, I'll, I'll say, I don't want to leave you with nothing. So, um, I'll just say, you know, she's Brittany is a very sweet girl, very, very kind person. Um, probably the kindest person I've ever. I've ever really encountered in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, her gratitude, her grace. I mean, people look on people nowadays, you know, they look at her on Instagram mm-hmm. and keep in mind, I haven't been in contact with her for since 2017. We were friends from 2008 to 2017. Um, but, you know, people look at her Instagram now and, you know, they see that she's dancing and or whatever commentary that they have or opinions, people will always have an opinion about her, I guess is what I'm trying to get across, Mm. you know? Um, But I think people forget too, you know, that she's performed her entire life. Um, I personally, I don't see it any different for her to not want to perform on stage versus her performing in her bedroom. I'll say that much. That's what she would do on stage anyway. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she's a performer. That's what she's built to do. She knows how to do it. She's one of the best. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, um, 
just just to defend her because I, I will always defend her. She she was a great person to me. Um, I think it's important to realize, you know, her past and to acknowledge that this is a person who's been touring, who's been on multiple world tours throughout her entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's appropriate for people to to judge her or to make commentary about her posting her dances on Instagram and things like that. Personally, it, it bothers me because I, I know I knew her, you know, so. So, so you, you feel like people should be more respectful to Britney Spears um, when they, when they post a comment, they should post something more respectful, positive, loving, caring, whatever, as opposed to judgmental. I would say so. Um, and the media as well. I mean, granted, you know, you have TMZ and, other tabloids that are not exactly the nicest of characters. Um, But, you know, they constantly pick on her for dancing and and posting her dancing videos. I don't see anything wrong with it. That's what she's been doing her whole life. Let her continue. If that's what makes her happy, so be it. Um, Do do you think that, that the labels or, or the paparazzi, I don't know, the, the media is, is a kind of, Framing her in a negative light, uh, just just sort of make money off of off of you know her effort, her efforts. Um, I would say, I would say it's probably always been like that for her. Mm-hmm. So she's they they did her dirty. They did they, they they have not been nice to her. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. She's she's a very like I said, a, a, you know, people see that that image on Instagram and they think, oh, this is a person. I, I don't know what they think. I don't really care, to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. they they make general assumptions. And that's when, you know, I, I tell myself and I tell other people, you know, you have to remember, like I said, if I was touring my entire life and if I was forced to perform on stage, I would still have that in my head, like, oh, I'm a performer. I need to perform. I need to show my fans that I care about them, that I want to interact with them and that I'm still performing and that I'm still good at good at what I do. Mm-hmm. So I think in her defense, I, I really, truly believe. Um, let me word this properly. Um, I think she's just doing her best job that she can do under the circumstances that she's been put in. Yeah, well, I, I think everybody understands that Britney Spears has had a very difficult upbringing and currently is also struggling um uh and for sure isn't isn't uh I mean hopefully she's she's in a better place now um but it's definitely I mean I, the the most famous story uh, in the narrative of her life is when is her newly born child um, and to have a child taken away from you is just, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't possibly imagine, uh, what that would be like as somebody with a three-year-old, um, mm-hmm. the most painful thing in the world. So I can understand the trauma. The PTSD she's been through a lot. Of, yeah. She's been yeah. through a lot. And, and I've not to stay on this topic for too long, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have told, I, I've told my, my my CEO, I've told other people as well, you know, she's been through things that most men would not be able to handle. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that with, I'm not saying that to glamorize it. I'm not saying anything like that, but she has a lot of strength. 
a lot of strength and I give her the utmost respect and credit for everything that she's been through. I really do. Okay. There you hear it folks, uh, straight from somebody who's been deeply connected with her. Um, so we should all kind of take our hats off to Britney Spears and give her the respect that she deserves and the privacy that she deserves. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that little, that tidbit. Um, no problem. But so, so uh, back to you, um, you know, what are your aspirations? What are you, what are you looking to do in the next year or so aside from the album? I mean, in addition to the album. In addition to the album. Um, yes, yeah. Well, I have a lot of big producers following me on threads and on Instagram. So mm-hmm. personally, I, I don't know if this is giving too much away of myself, <laughs> but um, personally, I kind of wait for the right moment and um then i'll send a dm or send a a message and i'll say hey i'm releasing this with bentley and blah 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 um would you be interested in working with me um so that's my goal i guess you could say or one of my goals um because like i said i have seven songs i would like to make it to 10 so Mm -hmm. i have a few more tracks that i'm trying to get together that i would like um some big names to work on with me i'm sure uh but but we don't get those uh those hints i guess we're i don't have a lot to say <laughs> yeah we have to wait okay we will wait patiently we'll stand by um, i'll come back I'll, I'll be back on your show don't worry <laughs> okay sounds great we're looking forward to that um hmm well uh but as far as uh as far as your lifestyle, mm. what 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 kind of lifestyle do you look to lead, or is that a, even of interest? Are you just sort of completely com- career career focused uh, in terms of your aspiration? You know, you want to release an album, you want to go world tour, um, or are you interested in like having this even you know balance between social media, working your tail off, and like being able to relax a bit, um, take breaks, go on vacation? What what are your what's your mindset? I would say my mindset is focused, determined. I, I'm not going to lie, though. I do like having breaks. So, um, so you're not a workaholic? I, I am. A, when it comes to the music, I am a workaholic. And and I will say I, I obsess a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit too much. You know, for example, when I did my first my first um, single, when I released my first single with Bentley, um, Woke, um, I had like, I don't know if you know what stems are, for, but for people that don't know that are listening. Um, Very much. Yeah. But you can tell us, yeah. Yeah, they're basically the, the um, how do I say this? The raw files of your vocals. So when I, when I sent that in um, to be mixed, and I don't tell many people this, this is my first public thing telling you this. But Thank you. Um, <laughs> when, when I When I sent that in, I sent in like 35 stems, all of the same take. <laughs> so I guess you could say, yeah, I am a little obsessive and and I, I am a workaholic when it comes to the music. Because um, a normal person would probably send in like two or three, call it a day. I recorded that thing 35 times and I found a perfect, a perfect take for 35 times. I'm not joking. Um, now... So- I think this is a testament. This is a good thing. You know, you love your music. You you, you don't want to have to, you don't want to regret 
something that you recorded 20, 30 years ago? Like when you're 80, 90 years old, you want to look back on your albums that people are listening to and be like, ah, cringe every time you hear like that one note that was slightly flatter or sharp. Yeah. That's where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I guess I guess you could say being a perfectionist is natural to me, but sometimes it's a little obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> would you would you say that any of the artists that you have worked with, like the the bigger artists, uh-huh. um, Mane, Britney Spears, whatever, um, future, have they are they would you say that they are also the types to release multiple versions? Um Is that like an industry type of thing or is that just uniquely you? Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, I would say based on my experience anyway, and from what I know, um, the majority of the collabs that I have worked on those, the bigger names, um, they do spend a lot of time. Like, how do I say this? Um, one of the people i'm not going to name names but one of the people i did work with um when i tell you like nine hours straight in the booth recording this person took nine hours to record the song and just kept going over until they got the perfect take so i mean is this with every song or was just that was that one song i think it was just that one song for that person no well um, there must have been breaks say again there must have been breaks uh, i i would have break. so. yeah, yeah. water bathroom break <laughs> yeah but i mean again you know it's the whole i i think it varies too depending on the genre um i think you know with rap and hip-hop for example those types of producers and those types of artists as well they're more used to just going into the booth doing two or three takes and then calling it a day being done But then you go into the pop genre, for example, and you realize that, okay, well, Auto-Tune can't fix that. Melodyne can't fix that. You need a perfect take. Yeah. So it it, it varies depending on the genre as well, I would say. Um, I completely get it. You know, the uh, like the additional facets of, you know, factors such as the melody and then like the inflections the way you pronounce the words along with the melody there's just there's many more aspects to what comes out of the mouth uh with pop um not not to not to trash hip uh, not to trash well not hip-hop but rap but there isn't the melody factor um exactly so i guess it's a bit it's a bit easier um and yet you choose pop you choose the hard road that's what you prefer right i do i like I said, I don't know if I have a preference. I just, I realize that I'm better at it. So mm-hmm. uh, yes, but no. You're better at it because you, you feel it. You feel the emotions more, the melody, or you just sort of, I don't know, just have an affinity towards singing. I feel it. Yeah, I would, I would say both actually. I feel it, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's, it's ingrained in me. I mean, I remember like growing up when I was a kid, for example, um, my grandfather would play ABBA records. You know, like I, I know all of their songs. Don't even get me started. I can quote their songs and their lyrics, but um, you know, and that's like pure European pop. You know, oh yeah. Um, and yeah. I love that they were at the epicenter of U.S. pop. Exactly, exactly, and that shows too how how they crossed boundaries and and changed so many things. You know, which which is rare. Like if you look at 
top 40s these days. I mean, I guess you got Dua Lipa. She's, but she's, she's in the US now. Right. Um, but she's Europe based. I'd like to see more, more Europe rooted um, artists personally. I would I too. There's more, more rich music to, to what they have to, to share. But that's, that's coming from the vantage point of a classical musician. I would agree with you though. I, I would definitely agree because, you know, you look at the influences. I mean, for example, um, just the facts that I know is that um, on Britney's Blackout album, there's a song called Freak Show. And that was the first song that introduced dubstep on the top 100 in the United, or the top 200 in the United States at the time. That was 2007. Dubstep had been happening for years prior in the UK. So you look at things like that and you're like, hmm, you know, like this genre or this type of style or this, this whatever, this element of this type of music is being transferred or crossed over, literally crossed across the ocean um, from Europe and and it becomes popular here. So for me personally, I, I do agree because of with one celebrity. You. Say again? Because of one celebrity. Or yeah, or because of one artist. Yeah. And and I, I would agree with you, though. I think a lot of the innovation comes in terms of style comes out of Europe. I would definitely agree with you on that. One hundred and fifty percent. Interesting. I'm still hoping jazz might come back. You know, Michael Bublé. I'm hoping He's like good. I like him. Yeah. Be like a, a following and, you know, more more similar artists to that. And I don't think anything was quite like uh, the 40s and the 50s era. Probably you not. <laughs> Aside from World War II, but yeah, you know the music aspect. <laughs> um, what could you? I'm sure you have plenty of advice to share with aspiring musicians, people in the music and looking to make it in the music industry. Could you? Could you share any tidbits of advice, or you know, having been in it for how many? How many years? How many decades? Since 2012. But I was friends with Britney prior to that, so 2007, 2008. Yeah, at least 15 years or so. Yeah. Um, in terms of advice, I would say staying consistent is key. And, you know, a lot. Of, I see a lot of artists who are aspiring artists who, you know, they'll release one single they don't get the traction or the attention or the streams or whatever that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And they just stop. They, they, they don't continue pursuing it. They don't continue engaging with their fans or whatever the case may be. They don't continue. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I have found that the most valuable lesson to learn is that again, consistency, being consistent, you have to be consistent in this industry in order to succeed. Otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I, how do I say this? If I was looking at myself now or looking back on my, how do I say this? <laughs> looking back on myself, if I was, you know, 16, 15 years old and I was just getting started, mm -hmm. I would probably tell myself the same thing. Stay consistent because eventually something will take somewhere. Somebody is going to say, yes, you might get a hundred no's before you get a Yes. But that yes will be worth it. Mm -hmm. So you really need to make the effort to reach out and connect with other industry professionals. Definitely. Hmm. And it, it could be, you know, 
it, it could be anybody. It could be the sound engineer at a local studio. Mm-hmm. It could be um, a major producer. It could be, you know, your best friend who makes beats for you. Um, anything that involves knowledge and learning more about how to propel propel yourself to success, I think is very important. DJ Khaled um, said recently in an interview that he spent, I don't know whether it's true or not, he spent like decades volunteering his time to try to, to make it to where he is today. Um, not everybody has done that. Uh, I could tell you myself, I, I, you know, I'm full-time musician, performer, producer. Uh, I have, I don't volunteer my time. Maybe that's a mistake of mine. <laughs> um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, when you hear advice like that, is it, is it valuable to, I don't know, show up to a show and just like, just contribute and just help out and just make connections? Um, does that make a difference? Is that something you would recommend? I, w- I would recommend it, actually. Yes, I, I really would. And I think the reasoning behind that is networking is so important. It's so mm-hmm. important. And a lot of people don't, not that they don't acknowledge it, but a lot of people, I mean, I don't know, everybody's different. You know, some people have social anxiety and they don't feel like that they can network with other people. Some people mm-hmm. think it's a waste of time. I mean, there's a plethora of reasons, but I think, I think, for me, going off of the the notion or the quote that you said that DJ Khaled said, um, mm-hmm. I would agree with him and I would probably have done the same thing, you know, just showing up to events, showing up to concerts, showing up to whatever the case may be, um, to network, to get your name out there, to meet people, to, to collaborate with people. I mean, any network, any person you meet, that can be a, a potential collaboration in the future. You don't know, you know? So, so pride could... So pride could be one of the biggest killers of of a person's career. Um, I would say so. Which is ironic because there's there could be a lot of when you look at a number of accomplished singers, musicians, performers out there, there is some aspect of pride. There's definitely the aspect of pride, but I will say I believe for me anyway, I believe staying humble is the most important thing. Hmm. You have to be humble because otherwise, I mean, yeah, granted, like I said, you know, there are a lot of snakes and and negative people that just want your money for certain things, I'm sure, as you know, mm-hmm. but um, not just the music industry. <laughs> no, that's that's everywhere. That's hu- humanity. <laughs> humanity. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot of like those types of people, but um staying i i I really believe staying consistent and staying humble are the two most important things you have to be nice to other people you Mm -hmm. can't approach somebody and be like hey look who i am look what i've done i'm on this i'm on that give me this because i i'm entitled to it it it, it doesn't work like that you know you can't just walk around bitch slapping people and hoping that something (laughs) comes of it exactly 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 um so, you know, I could see people mis- misinterpreting what it takes to make it when they when they see, you know, like a badass artist out there acting like they're, you know, like they're a jerk when in, es- in essence, they're really nice in person. Um, but I think I think so- that, that's a valid point, though, to what you said, you know, is a lot of artists create an image and 
you sometimes you can't tell if that image is real or if it's mm-hmm. constructed, you know, or if it's yeah. how they actually are. Um, I think that's a very valid point you just touched on, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think about somebody like Cardi B, who's like the classic instance example of somebody who seems like she's rough on the edges. She's got this shell, um, possibly due to her upbringing. I don't know. Um, but she could be very kind, very nice uh, in person. I, I've never met her. No, I haven't either. But I have I can imagine I, I would probably agree with that assessment of her. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you, you see you see other artists too, you know, like, um, like when they had first started out, for example, like the weekends or Lana Del Rey, um, both of them, both of them definitely constructed their image and look where both of them are now. I mean, I think, I think they're both genius, extremely Mm -hmm. talented artists, but there was a certain degree of, um, how do I say this properly? of constructing an image, I would say. And and you have to in order to get the public to latch onto you. So it's, mm. they, they were both smart, I, I will say that much. So do you feel like music production should be fan-focused or should be, I don't know, you could take Dave Matthews in, as an example. He says he doesn't give a crap what his fans want to hear. He just gets up there and plays whatever he wants to play. What are your, mm. what are your thoughts on that? I would say 50-50. Mm. I would say do what you love, but it's also important to listen. It's important Mm -hmm. to have feedback from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think a song is great and someone else thinks it's crap, then, you know, you can always say to yourself, well, it wasn't meant for them or you shouldn't be listening to it anyway. Or, you know, you Mm -hmm. can come up with a bunch of excuses in your head. But at the end of the day, I really think, you have to combine both of them. You have to do what you'd like to do, but you also have to take, you have to be able to take input from other people um, Mm. and constructive criticism and feedback and a lot. And having mentioned what you did, uh, what you just said, do you work in teams when you're producing music for, you know, bigger artists? Is that, are you part of like a, a network? Are you just, pitching random songs to random artists that you want to connect with. Can you rephrase the question? I'm sorry. I didn't. Sure. Well, you were, you're talking about um, networking and connecting and, 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 right. and he- hearing feedback and, and that being sort of like a prerequisite to being able to achieve something as an artist, as a producer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are you translating that to you produce music for other artists, correct? I've produced four other artists, but the only release that I have that is my own production, I've only released one, I believe. If that makes Uh, sense. (laughs) Sorry, I'm confusing. So you have produced music for other artists, but you don't... uh, My my question is if you work with other... Do you work in teams to produce music for other artists, or is that not something that you do? Um, Teams, no. I usually work alone. Okay. And you just sort of in terms of your strategy, you like, you're not showing up to a networking event and, you know, I don't know, trying to build connections that way. I mean, I have in the past. Absolutely. I think, I think it's really important. Like I said before about networking, you know, there are, um, there's songwriting conferences. There mm-hmm. are so many different, so many different, especially in New York where you are, 
um, mm -hmm. so many different avenues and opportunities to to not only get yourself heard, but like I said, you meet the, you never know who you're going to meet. That's really what it comes down to. You never know mm -hmm. what another person can do for you or what you can do for them. And I think it has it has to be mutually mutually exclusive. It has to work both ways. You both have to be able to offer each other something. And who knows, that could result in your wildest dreams coming true. You know, you never mm -hmm. know. So just making connections whenever you can. And so now, like a networking event like NAM, which costs really a few thousand when you factor in the flight and like the registration costs and that type of stuff would you recommend that to aspiring musicians something like that just as an example as an example yes i would i wouldn't recommend spending thousands of dollars when you're just starting out i don't think that's a smart move mm -hmm. um but i will say you know like something like nam or something like um an event that bmi or, or ascap or one of them might put on i know that they do like annual um what's the right word, annual conferences and, and presentations and whatnot, I, I would recommend those. I think it's important to go to them and and to network. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you have a fascinating background. So there's, um, Thank you. I mean, you should write a book. You know? yeah, thank you. Uh, you're, you wrote, uh, what was that, that song I'm talking about? Um, Woke. What was the meaning behind Woke? I can kind of guess, but uh, what, what was your intention behind that? Well, that my intention, I actually, I wrote it, um, it starts off the the intro line is I woke up in a dream of you and me. So I didn't know what to call the song at the time. It didn't have a title. And I was trying to be really creative. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we have this word that has suddenly appeared in the public public phenomenon, the word woke on politically for some reason or another, people have picked that up and they've started spitting it out constantly, it, despite well, it not. They took it from you. They took it from your song. Yeah, well, I could say that too. Yeah, <laughs> like Chipri wrote the song. We're gonna make it a pub publicity thing for exactly. Uh, so, I mean, at the time, I had just seen news articles and people and politicians and whatnot, and they were like, "Oh, woke this, woke that." And so, I just I thought to myself, you know, the opening line is, "I woke up in a dream." I'll just call the song "Woke," um, and that's how that came to be. But Cool. There was okay. no, there was no actual like, what's the word, um, political influence or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I do think it works in my favor because people see it and they're like, oh, you know, maybe this is a political song or maybe this has some underlying notion or something like that, and they they listen to it. Uh -huh. So I think it's a good thing. It's a good trick to to get people to listen. I guess you could say. So maybe you should, uh, you know, call a single F you and then people might be intrigued <laughs> to find out, well, what are they talking about me? I think Lily Allen did that, actually. She has a song called F you. Yeah, there's got it. I figure there are a couple out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a, a favorite artist that you listen to? Favorite, like of all time? Yeah, maybe. A, yeah. I mean, I'm clearly Britney Spears is up there. Um, yeah, no, I would say she definitely, I mean, she was definitely influential and she was a mentor, so I can't deny her presence, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but Brittany is up there. I would say in terms of songwriting and artistry, um, Lana, Lana Del Rey has always oh, been a huge influence for me. 
I remember when her first album, her first album, Born to Die, came out and I went to Target that next morning and I bought it. That was the last CD I bought <laughs> and probably one of the only CDs I've ever bought. But I was so, what's the word, um, encapsulated with her music that I was I was really I was really focusing on her songwriting skills, though. And I think, you know, with that said, in order to become great, you have to study the greats. So you look at Lana now, and I mean, she has like eight albums, something like that. Um, the Weeknd as well. He was a major influence in my early stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, seeing how they go from genre to genre, they're, they're, they aren't limiting themselves to one aspect of the music mm-hmm. industry, which I think is important. Uh, they're not limiting themselves to one genre in terms of certain Correct. aspects of music. So that then there's something very purposeful in what you're doing um, with your own music. I would say so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because you're looking to sort of spread your wings and see see what opportunities emerge and see what fits best with your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because you mentioned, oh, that was the last CD I bought. Yeah. Uh, and now that CDs are kind of gone, it's like, but records are back. Here are vinyls yeah. three <laughs> times larger. And more expensive. More expensive. And you need a player for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know. I don't have yet. I might. I don't either. Well, if you go on tour, you're going to need, you're going to need some vinyls. Absolutely. And CDs. Yeah. Maybe tapes too. <laughs> I mean, you need stuff to right. You know, when are those going to come back? We got all this digital tape technology uh, to make our, our track sound better. Right. Yeah. Why aren't we playing music off of tapes? That's just something. Uh, Kramer tape. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you're if you're if you deal with that those types of uh, add-ons for for mixing. Um. Anyway, uh, it's. Oh, I, so before I forget, I just wanted to ask you: um, Can you share with our audience where the best place to to find your work is? You can go to Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, any of them. <laughs> okay. Where where do they find you specifically? Just you know. Oh well, I mean, my Instagram is like cheap. Handle. Music. Yeah. My Instagram is cheapery music. C I P R I music, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a website with the same name. Um, okay. And yeah, check me out there. Awesome. Uh, and are, are you are you looking to release any music videos anytime soon? Is that something you see as important to like connected to to your single releases on Spotify? I feel yes, actually, it's something that I'm I'm in the process of working on right now. Um, I don't want to say too much because it hasn't been finalized yet. <laughs> okay. So, um, but I I do think it's an it's an important aspect to have. Um, you know the visual visual aesthetics of a song are just as equally important as the song itself. Mm-hmm. So I would say so. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your insights and your time with us. A pleasure oh, speaking you. with you. Chippery, you and uh, I hope to connect with you soon and we'll share your handle in the show notes okay. um, so that people can check you out. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning into the Soundwave Chronicles podcast, where you can stream our interviews wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed the interview and learned something new today. And if you did, please leave a review so we can keep bringing you great content. Thank you and have a great rest of the week.